All right, welcome to another episode of Keel Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne, and as you know, it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. So today I'm chatting with Sarah, who is the co-founder of Matcha Maiden, as well as Matcha Milk Bar, and she is just flat out awesome. I'm actually going to read a short bio that she has on her own website because I think it really gives a good flavor of who she is and what kind of energy she brings to life in general. So Sarah says, I'm not the best candidate for a short bio because I'm not only a serial rambler, but also an over-enthusiastic life lover with too many interests, passions, career changes, personal transformations, lifestyle revelations, adventures, hopes and dreams for one single lifetime. I nonetheless do my very best to squeeze in as much goal-kicking, groundbreaking, and memory-making as life permits, and I'd say I'm the best summed up by my overarching life philosophy, which is, seize the yap. So I really can't do any better than that. That's, uh, that's a great bio, and let's jump into this conversation. But before we do hit play, just a quick but very important reminder, those reviews go a long way. So if you are enjoying this content and these conversations, please do give us a little love with stars or written reviews. Uh, We look at all of these and greatly appreciate it. And lastly, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of Keo, which is our daily reflection app. As you know, all of these guests are loaded into the app to help you with your daily reflection. So... All you have to do is search KYO in the Apple App Store and it will come up. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode and have the absolute best day yet. So who are you? Wow, what a question. (laughs) (laughs) I think who I am is changing all the time at the moment. It's um, a work in progress. I, uh, I like to call myself a fun entrepreneur, and I think that's definitely mm-hmm. what I am first and foremost. And in that title, uh, it's implied that there's a lot of growth, there's a lot of agility, there's a lot of change from day to day. I wear lots of different hats, and sometimes I don't even know yeah, who I am or where I am or when I am. <laughs> um, but basically, I started off as a corporate lawyer on a very traditional um, legal career path. And sure. that lasted about three years. And for quite a while, that was who I was. That defined my goals. That defined my day-to-day. I was spending 20 hours a day, almost seven days a week doing that. So that consumed my whole identity. And I think it would have been a job that I really enjoyed had it had some boundaries, but that's not who I am. There's a lot of creativity and adventure in in my personality. And so I stumbled across a way to bring my ultimate dream of running my own business a lot closer than I ever thought mm. <laughs> would be possible. And it was actually through a, a very selfish need for a product that there was a gap in the market for. And I was just the consumer who wanted to close the gap, which I think is how a lot of businesses start. So uh, early in my legal career, I'd already started to get itchy feet. So I took a month off and uh, went with my partner, Nick, to build some schools in Rwanda uh, with a charity organization that we'd been associated with for quite a while. And it was just 
the most incredible eye-opening experience um, and actually a real exercise in the art of mindfulness, which we can come back to later. Uh, But I got quite sick with a parasite. I lost nearly 12 kilos, which I didn't really have to lose. And I was banned from coffee. Uh, because it was giving me, you know, panic attacks and the jitters and my body just wasn't handling it very well. And at the time I was like, how am I going to get through 20 hours a day without coffee? This is just the <laughs> end of my life as a functional human being. No kidding. <laughs> but I got sent to the firm's headquarters in Hong Kong quite soon after. And in Asia, matcha green tea powder is quite a common alternative source of caffeine. And mm. so I got onto this matcha green tea powder in lattes and smoothies and as a plain tea and realized there's a healthier caffeination that gives you almost as much caffeine as coffee, but it has a a unique amino acid um, called L-theanine, which makes it slow release into your bloodstream. So my body, even at its frailest, could handle it and I could still sleep and I could still function. Um, And I just got hooked and I was like, wow, how is no one, especially in the booming health food market, how is no one really hooked on to this for its health benefits, not just its traditional ceremonial history? Um, and my partner, Nick, he came over and he was using it for workouts and, uh, you know, re- replacing his pre- and post-workout coffee shots so that his coffee count per day also wasn't clocking oh, wow. up too high. And then we came home to Australia and just couldn't find it anywhere. Really? It was either – yeah, it was crazy. It was either really, really expensive ceremonial stuff that's – obviously, you know, a lovely gift or a special occasion tea, or there were Asian groceries where there was no clear labeling, uh, no provenance indicator, uh, often mixed with sugar or other fillers, and you just couldn't be guaranteed of the quality. So there was this big middle ground that no one had filled and no health food stores had, had really picked up on. So, and that's where we were shopping. So we were sort of like, oh, well, where are we going to get it then in our own selfish little world? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, we just found some online, could only get it in bulk, decided we probably can't handle 10 kilograms or 50 kilograms of matcha by ourselves and started a little side project, um, which we never thought would take off. And it turned out there were lots of other people suffering that same gap in the market. And three years on, here I am. It, it's so wild. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the time frame because I'd imagine, like myself, the rest of the listeners are probably wondering or thinking like that it, it doesn't even make sense because it's part of our life <laughs> in, you know, in strides right now. So the fact that three years ago, especially in, in Australia, you know, just wasn't around, it's, uh, that's wild. So how though, because there's a there's a big difference. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a big difference from you know seeing the need and then making a decision to actually do something with it. Like that's a big that's a big jump that ninety five percent probably of people just you know don't have the courage to do or for whatever reason, right? So how like how did you how did you guys make that decision and how, how did you how did you start? I think one of the most important things in helping us get started was that it was very broken down into small steps. Okay. Like if I'd conceived of what we have now and had aimed for that in the beginning, it would have just been so overwhelming and so impossible sounding that I would have scared myself out of it. Sure. And I think 
everything you do is it's a mental exercise, like actually achieving things later. That's, that's the physical element that comes last. But the first thing is just getting over the mental hurdle. And the most important thing you can do there is just make the immediate next step that you need to take achievable. Mm-hmm. And so for us, rather than thinking, oh my gosh, how do we start a global tea conglomerate? <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was just a matter of like, because we wanted it for ourselves, we just broke it down to can we sell one bag? That's all it needed to be. Because okay. I was like, I can put it on my LinkedIn that I'm an entrepreneur if I sell one bag. That's sure. all that matters. <laughs> Love it. And then you sort of take each new goal from there onwards and just make your goals, break them down into achievable mini goals so that it's not as intimidating because it is all a, a challenge of overcoming the mental doubt and fear. And the other thing was, we literally just started from the very beginning. It, it seems so glamorous now, but we literally Googled it. It was like how to start a tea business. And that sort of made it very clear that there are a few key ingredients, the tea, the <laughs> bag that you put the tea in, the seal that you seal the bag with, the use by dates, the labels, and you break it down just into really simple steps. Yeah. You just need to start. And then, totally. And yeah. I'm a really A-type, anally retentive OCD personality and (laughs) it's very, very difficult for me to not go all perfectionist crazy on things. But I love a good quote, as you'll probably find out over the next, um, (laughs) the next hour or so. And um, two quotes that really helped me in the beginning were firstly, done is better than perfect. And that really helped me let go of the idea that I had to have everything absolutely right in the beginning because you don't actually know what the right product is until you've got it out there and had some feedback firstly. Mm -hmm. And you can refine as you go. Like nothing is stagnant. Nothing stays exactly as it was when you first released it anyway. The whole process of business is refinement. And then the second one is doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. And that's my favorite quote ever, I think, because it reminds me how much everything is a mental game. Self-doubt, is always going to be there. I feel like even Oprah would have self-doubt from time to time. For sure. It's just a natural human instinct, but it's also probably one of the most destructive because people can't tell the difference between self-doubt that's just reminding you that you care, it reminds you that you're doing something new and challenging and worthy, but then they let it go the next step and dictate their decision. And that's completely natural. So many of us do it, but I'm trying to train myself to just acknowledge it and be like, okay, that's natural. That's part of the human condition. But I'm not going to let that make my decision for me because most of the time self-doubt is false. It's just it's something narr- yeah, that... Yeah, it's a narrative. Yeah, it's a, it's a story you tell yourself as a protection mechanism. And I was wracked with self-doubt so much so that when we first um, had the idea, the very first people I ever told were um, the girls who started Frank Body, the coffee scrub. Okay. And I had messaged them on Facebook and I randomly saw the message again recently. And the first sentence that I said to pitch the idea was, I've got this really crap idea that's probably not going to work. But (laughs) what do you think about blah? (laughs) That's funny. And I just thought, wow, that's how strong my self-doubt was that I I pitched it saying what a bad idea it was. (laughs) Sure. Um, So, yeah, I just – I think – all of, you know, naturally when you start anything new, it is really big and scary, particularly if it's a product that hasn't been tested and 
particularly like for us, we had no experience in food or freight or customs or, you know, we're importing a product here, but there's nothing in this world, particularly in the climate now where everyone's thirsty for innovation. You don't have to have one career for your whole life. People are a lot more open-minded to new things. There's no reason why you can't just give something a go. I agree. And, and uh, it was the same thing with us. I mean, we, we have zero experience in app development or in this space. I was coming out of, out of the pharmaceutical industry out of all places. So, <laughs> which is, it, which is, int- I mean, I was always working in mental health, but you know, obviously things are a little more holistic now on this side, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think the main thing is that, and the, or the other element to that, to that whole story is I'd imagine you would relate to this, but there's, there's a certain level of, you know, unknown or this naive concept. Like we just don't even know what we're jumping into. Like, I, I know if I, if I knew today what it takes to actually put an app out on the market and, you know, build something like this, I actually don't know what the, what the, what the answer would have been when the idea came up. If I knew all of that, right. I'd be like, Oh, I don't know about that. That's, <laughs> it's a bit crazy. Um, like I, I would have never done anything different uh, now being in it, but I, I think that's actually competitive. The reason I'm bringing that up is I think it's an actual advantage or a competitive advantage, not having experience in a market and coming into it fresh with completely different sets of eyes. Right. Totally. I think you're you're not conditioned by anything, you know, from the traditional way of doing things. And particularly, you know, in our search for mentors, for example, for quite a while we were like, oh, we really need someone who's been in our exact shoes and who can, you know, guide us on the way because obviously we don't have any experience in this. And when it comes to actually growing your business, developing your sales channels, building a community, like no one's done that before because the world is moving so fast these days that anyone who did it even a few years ago was in a totally different climate. So anyone starting now with a fresh mind is, yeah, almost has a foot in the door that that everyone else doesn't have who are conditioned by the old way of doing things. I agree. So the other thing I'd imagine you can relate to is the highs and lows of, let's call it every day probably in this world of entrepreneurship <laughs> right. I, I think, you know, a lot of people see the end results or they see, and I love, I, I definitely want to bring up the, the famous Smurf latte at one point, but you know, people see that, right. They see headlines and they see, wow, you know, those people are just killing it. They don't see all the behind the scenes and all the, all the, the high, like I said, the highs and lows and, and, and the mental power it takes just to survive almost each day as you're going through those initial stages, right? So I'd love to get your perspective on that. Oh, I, I completely agree. I have so many friends who are just like, man, you're killing it. <laughs> oh my gosh, you can pay for all of our dinner. And like, you guys are just sitting there on your activewear at a cafe on your laptop, just fluffing around. Yeah. <laughs> and and I don't I don't really blame them because from the outside, like it can, if, unless you've done it before, I was so naive beforehand and I would have probably thought the same thing that, you know, Nick has always been an entrepreneur. And when I was in the law firm, I'd get so frustrated at him being like, what do you mean you're stressed? You've been like in your gym gear all day. You've been choosing where you work and when you work and what you work on. Like, don't (laughs) even talk to me about stress. But you know, at the time he was like, you have a wage 
you're secure. Like you have all these resources, you yeah. have structure and predictability, you know, like, I, and I didn't appreciate, I was like, what do you mean? I have a job and I work too many hours. But yeah, I think one thing that I probably wasn't ready for um, was just how, yeah, how unrelenting the, the the pressure is when you're you're the driving force behind the reason the business is alive the next day. And that kind of responsibility is something that um, you're just not ready for in a role. Like you can't ever care as much about your job or a business until it's your own and until every person who's working for you, until their livelihood depends on you actually keeping the business going. And there are times where the self-doubt gets so, you know, it's a very competitive world. As we mentioned before, one of the great things is that, is that it's moving so fast, but one of the terrible things is also that it's moving so fast. So you can never get comfortable. And, you know, it is a struggle every morning thinking, firstly, you have to motivate yourself because you don't have a boss telling you to. Secondly, the financial situation when you're investing everything that you have into growing the business often means that you're without a wage for quite a few years. <laughs> yes. And, you know, the business pays for your, your basic living needs. So you're not destitute or anything, but people tend to think you're making so much money because you're growing, but that cash doesn't come back to your hands. <laughs> and, you know, travel and, and stuff like that, that's, that's a business expense and you don't get the, you can't pay the bills with your plane ticket kind of thing. Um, and then there's, you know, I mean, with Nick and I, we're, um, engaged and we work together and live together. So there's those challenges every day as well of navigating your relationships. And I found that my biggest challenge in all of it has been once I found my passion, I have absolutely no incentive to take a break because I love it. I love what I do. It doesn't feel like work. I'm so passionate about it. And unlike many jobs, every ounce of effort that you put in, you see the direct impact of in the business's growth or success. And so I went from a job that I was like always going to work really hard at, but wasn't invested in to this extent, to a job where I just didn't want to start working ever. You always have fresh ideas. You never want to get behind. You're seeing on social media every day what everyone else is doing and you just can't switch off. And Mm -hmm. I I found it so difficult to ever justify taking a break because you don't want to fall behind everyone else and it's just too exciting and because you do have to bring in the dollar bills. Um, So, yeah, I think if I had known how challenging it would be sometimes. Um, I don't know. I probably wouldn't have done anything different. But, yeah, it, it really does. You do have days where you wake up and you're like, why am I doing this? Like, my idea is terrible. And then the next day you're like, I'm doing so well, girl boss. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. How do yeah. you balance, though? Because uh, I completely resonate with what you're saying that – I was coming out of the corporate world as well. I about I spent about ten years in that in that space, and you know I actually quite liked I, I liked my job. Um, I, at the end, there was an incredible team that was you know part of of my day. So there there was never you know this like oh I, I can't stand going into work or anything like that. But it, it isn't until now being into in in this role that I can't imagine ever going back to that. Just, I think for all the reasons you just mentioned and just feeling that this is, you know, the, the, the purposeful work or the, you know, it's kind of what meant, meant to do. 
But with that, like you said, like your mind, it's almost impossible to shut your mind off, which I feel you do need a little bit of balance somehow, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> and, and I know you've talked about this a little bit too with, um, with Nick, like it, at the beginning, it was just pure, pure work, right? And it, like, let's not forget there's a, there's a personal relationship there as well. So any tips or how have you navigated that fine line? Yeah, the first year was um, just a total blur, a total whirlwind of adjusting to setting my own schedule and my own structure. And I just didn't, I mean, people would tell me you need to put boundaries in place, but <laughs> I just didn't see why. Like I just sure. kept going and it wasn't until um, the end of that year where I, I just crashed. I didn't do I didn't do a good job of balance at all. I don't think I had any. And um, because it, it's because it doesn't feel like work, you, yeah. you maybe don't get the warning signs that you otherwise would. And it's but so exciting. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like – stuff's happening, you know, you're seeing your sales grow and you're seeing people around the world start to notice what you're doing. And yeah, I just, I got so caught up in it that I didn't put in good structures um, or routines in to begin with, both in our relationship and in my personal management of myself. And I ended up getting adrenal fatigue again Mm. uh, in, in that first year. I just completely burnt out and it was only by learning the hard way that I really realized just how much you do have to have a lot of self-discipline and learn to master that inability to switch off because it's, that is never going to go away. Once you get into running your own business, it's going to always be very hard to stop caring for five minutes and give yourself, you know, permission to rest. So that was, that wiped me off for quite a few months actually. And it was the best example of the fact that if you don't pace yourself, you wipe yourself off completely and it's just not worth it. Like it will never last. It's not a sustainable lifestyle. You won't get ahead. You'll just fall behind. So I realized rather than playing that short game to start playing a long game and just putting structures in place that are like, you know, idiot proof stop gaps so that you never sort of get too far behind yourself without realizing And that's just literally putting things in my calendar that are equally, you know, they're noted as as important as a meeting, but they're just self-maintenance time. So I invested in a meditation course. Uh, I do Vedic meditation because I needed something really structured. So this is 20 minutes twice a day. Okay. That's in my calendar as a meeting. And if I have a meeting over the time that I usually meditate, I have to move it. I can't delete it. Hmm. Um. Same goes with exercise, even just gentle walks, like getting outside. I have um, my Fitbit tells me if I haven't stood up in the last hour. Sure. Um, you know, Nick and I have once a month we have to go out of Melbourne, even just to the country for a weekend. Oh, that's nice. We have, yeah, we have no phone days on a Sunday. We have um, after dinner most nights. We try to just not do any work after that unless we really have to. Um we try to work outside of the bedroom, so not working in bed on our laptops anymore so that there's like a clear delineation between sleep, the place we sleep and the place we do our work. Mm-hmm. Um, we just sat down and were like, what are all the ways we can bring better business hygiene into our lives and have, you know, um, clear times as well where we can't bring up business stuff because otherwise I'd lie down, you know, 11 o'clock at night and just go, oh, remember that thing? Yeah. Oh my God. 
and there was just no nothing was off limits whereas now we're really respecting our non-work time um so important. and even yeah you don't even realize how important it is i don't like you don't feel like you need it yeah. you never feel like you need it until it's too late so i'm learning to try and put preempt myself and just force myself like most of the time during the day you you don't actually feel like a break but your brain you know it tricks you because it's like i want to keep working this is awesome yeah of course but you need you need to preempt it and and just put in um yeah, good structures in place um and the other thing is you know even the small things like not eating while i'm working i have to actually stop working to eat because i would just scoff things down at my laptop like just bad habits there yeah yeah and not not letting me be mindful at all. And then suddenly, you know, a year's gone by and you're like, wow, my head hasn't been in one single day. It's been jumping around three years time last week and you're just never in the moment. So um, meditation has really helped with that as well. And how long, so how long have you been meditating? It's, it sounds like very uh, Johnny Pollard-ish type meditations. <laughs> I think that's yeah, a specialty, so- right? Yeah, it, Johnny is actually his one giant mind app is how I started. Okay. Um, and one of his very close colleagues, uh, Laura Poole, yeah. is the one who I did. Yeah, I did her course. Okay. And it was earlier this year, so the start of this year. Um, last year, I'd started meditating just using the app, um, sort of every now and then, and it was incredibly beneficial. But I just found I wasn't. I wasn't being strict enough. There wasn't enough structure because it was just so discretionary for me. Okay. So I knew that Laura's course um, taught a method that was 20 minutes twice daily, um, morning and afternoon, and that if I invested in doing the course, that would actually force me to want to make the most of it afterwards. Sure. Um, and I did that at the start of this year, and the the effect has been unbelievable. I just... I can't even say like I can never get too far ahead of myself before the next meditation comes up to bring me back to the moment. Mm. And I don't think I've ever been more efficient. Um, I have had the most, you know, amazing opportunities have come up since we've been taking it a little bit slower and sure to be more selective and celebrate the things that do happen. And yeah, everything just is going more smoothly. I think now that our, you know, you've got to get the mind right first before anything else follows on. Well, I agree with that. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've noticed it too, because, uh, you know, fortunately, um, as we speak, it's been over, I think over a hundred people now that are either interviewed or contributing to the app. So I feel very grateful that, you know, I get to listen and, and hear all these types of practices. So the, the result of that though that you know my meditation has increased my reflective writing and and um just reflective practices i'd say in general have increased and and the only reason i I bring that up is that i find and it sounds like you're saying the same thing i just find so aware of elements or events or opportunities like popping up whereas i like they've never presented themselves like that. It just seems like everything is so crystal clear. Like you see these triggers, you see these signs and like, oh yeah, obviously I have to follow that. And this makes sense. Like go do it. Right. Have you experienced that as well? Totally. I I feel like it just, the way I'm very visual. So the way I kind of think about it is my brain likes to get itself into like a scribble. Okay. And meditation is what helps me unknot it 
so yeah. that it's smooth and not all, all you know, crazy and, and tangled up. And when it's all tangled, which, you know, over the first couple of years of the business, it was just increasingly knotted, like over and over. It was like dreadlocks, basically, yeah. for the first two years. <laughs> there's no, you can't, there's no room anywhere for you to even perceive opportunities. You, you just have no clarity over, over anything. And you, you feel like you do, like you feel like you're pretty stimulated and you're thinking all the time and you're thinking really hard, but you're not thinking with, with space. And sure. if there's no space, there's no opportunity because you just have no room or capacity to even deal with it. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of really think that the unknotting process has created more space in my brain to notice the things around me. Like I would have been so pent up in my own, I don't even know, emotions or, mm -hmm. um, busyness that I was creating in my head. I mean, we are really busy. I'm not creating the business, but I let it overcome me to the point where I probably didn't notice a lot of the opportunities that were there and, and didn't take them because I was just too focused on whatever I'd gotten myself um, into a, <laughs> a rut about. Of course. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really, really opened us up to, um, to just so much growth and development. And it also, I think it also encourages you to not just be mindful, like you were just saying, the word reflect really resonated with me because when I was meditating last year, meditating would help me stop and be in the moment, but I wouldn't go further and then reflect on that moment and everything that we've done until now and whether it's been worth what it, you know, whether it's been a valuable experience, whether we've learned something, whether we could carry that into the future or I just didn't sort of go much beyond, okay, cool. How am I feeling in this moment? Let's keep going. Sure. Now I'm going back to reflecting and that actually means that you're getting rid of all the stuff that's not, not serving you anymore because you reflect and then you refine based on your reflections and then you move on. And that process also is helping get rid of a lot of the, just the bulk of stuff that we were carrying with us because you never take time to, to clear out. Well, that's key. You, uh, that, that last point I think is, is, is really the key point is that you, you know, we naturally don't prioritize the time and it, it doesn't even mean that you're talking like it could be seconds at times when you're reflecting. Right. But it, you have to somehow prioritize some time to pull you out of that autopilot. Like that's what we're trying to do. Right. Essentially is, you know, when you get to Friday and, and before you start rolling into the weekend, just stop for one minute and, and think like, what would I have changed this week? Or what were the amazing things that happened? Because a whole week has gone by and a lot has happened. But if we just roll through it, go through the weekend and kind of rinse and repeat, then we're into Monday. Like you're never, to your point, you're never releasing the bad stuff. You're never kind of developing and learning like what actually worked. You, you, we, we have a lot of the answers. You know, we don't necessarily have to read a ton of self-help books. Like we actually have the solutions if we, if we stop and think a little bit about our day. Totally. And that the other thing that you miss out on when you're not reflecting on, you know, letting go of baggage is that you're also not celebrating the stuff that goes well. Yeah. Like you, you just, it, it, it becomes like this whole like vortex of just progress. But if you don't stop and acknowledge the things that have gone well, then sort of what do you, what does it matter next time if it goes well? Because you're not acknowledging it. You're not being grateful. You're not being excited. Like we wouldn't go out for a dinner to celebrate something going well or mm -hmm. we hit our targets. And then you just lose, you lose 
the motivation to hit those targets because they don't feel like anything. They just become, you know, something that, that passes you by. And it's, it's such a shame because that, then that whole experience is just lost on you. And it's like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, you have to really celebrate your highs as well as, you know, reflect on your lows. They both, I think, deserve like a minute for you to just stop and pause. <laughs> I agree. I 100% agree. I'd love to t- chat a little bit about, um, thankfully, I know some of your close friends. And I just want to get your perspective on, you know, how some of that group came together and, and just how a close network of friends like that have helped you throughout your journey. Oh, it's unbelievably important to have the right people around you when you're on this journey, particularly because of the self-doubt that I was talking about before. It's, you need people around you who are going to help you quell it, not, you know, not help that self-doubt grow because there are a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of tall poppy syndrome or there's just a lot of skepticism or, you know, some people are quite risk averse and they, that's their way of caring for you is, is telling you that your idea has certain risks because, you know, they don't, they want the best for you, mm-hmm. but you really do. Nobody who has made it big has done it without a support network. It's you, there are always people behind the scenes or, or friends or colleagues or like-minded people who, you know, help them breed the right attitude and breed the right ideas and, um, my dear friends, Nat Warner and Melissa Ambrosini and Samantha Gash that I think are all on the app. Yeah, they are, yes. <laughs> yeah, we have all come together from very different first careers. Well, actually, very similar first careers. Yeah. In that Nat, <laughs> Nat, Samantha and I were all lawyers and knew each other before, um, but different from what we're doing now. Yeah. And we've come together again, united by different, um, a different round of similar interests now. And we align so strongly on the right balance between risk and um, innovation and, um, you know, really going for, you know, looking after yourself, um, looking after your community, building ethical business. Um, you know, Mel is really big on self-care. Nat is obviously just so knowledgeable and unbelievably uh, like well read and um, she's just a genius from another universe (laughs) in terms of looking after your body from the inside out. Samantha is my leader on pushing myself physically and conditioning myself the right way to build strength physically from her, you know, endurance running and they're all, they just encourage me to go higher, push further nourish myself at the same time, be a good person. Like there are so many ways that they're role models um, and then provide incredible support when you're just having one of those days where you're like, it's not going to work. Oh my God, it's all falling to pieces. <laughs> you just call them and they talk you back to where you need to be. Um, or even just, you know, to to ask where they got their labels printed or it, it, it's from the most simple things to the most profound things that you need the right people around you. And another quote that I love is you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think it's so true. The people and the energy that you're around, it rubs off on you. So you need to make sure you look around and you're happy with that reflection of yourself. And with those girls, I'm absolutely honored that they're in my network and every day they, they help me on the journey. Well, thank you for sharing that because you know, and, and I, I, I totally agree with that quote. And I think we, we've all heard that. And one thing I want to emphasize, because I mean, I am 
on the other side of the world. I've never physically met you or any of those three amazing women. And the reason I bring that up, I think that the, the main common point that at least that I see from all four of you is you can't help but leave a conversation with one of you not smiling or feeling great, which is, which is <laughs> such an incredible trait to have. And I bring that up because, you know, a lot of times when you, when, when you hear that quote, at least for me about, you know, surrounding yourself with, with such exceptional people, sometimes it's hard to do that physically, but there's so many, you know, great ways now, just the way we're all connected that you can still have that effect. And, you know, I, I feel incredibly privileged to be able to, you know, shoot over a message or a text or something to, to any one of those uh, people and, you know, get a piece of what you get. Obviously, you're getting the full, the full experience, but like it's possible, right? And, but it's so <laughs> important, though. You're, you're right. Totally. So important. And, and the other thing is, like, Melissa lives in Sydney um, you know, Samantha's traveling all the time and that and I both travel all the time. So in terms of physical FaceTime, like another quote I love is good friends are like stars. You don't always see them, but you know, they're always there. Love a it. lot of my closest friends live overseas. You know, Nick and I, both our bridal parties, um, are all dotted all over the world okay. and are flying in for the wedding. So you don't necessarily need to be physically seeing each other all the time. You just need to like feel their presence in your life. And um, the people you see, you know, physically the most are not necessarily the people you resonate with the most. And that's, that's the essence of a friendship, I think. Sure. I agree. Amazing. So let's, let's jump in. Um, what are some of the non-negotiables in your life when it comes to your mental fitness or physical fitness? I know meditation is very important, but if you think about when you're traveling, you know, what has to happen um, for you to know that you're feeling at the top of your game? So, yeah, meditation is probably my key uh, non-negotiable and um Gosh, there are so many little things that I've accumulated over time. I, I've also found that sleep is just – I used to think that it was the first thing I could eat into to make my day longer and achieve more. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I guess when I was younger, you know, I could get, a, I could get away with four or five hours sleep and, and function. But now I'm, I'm just learning to accept, particularly since I've had adrenal fatigue once mm-hmm. or, or twice – well, a couple of times actually. Um, <laughs> I'm – I'm prone to it. I've just learned to accept that I need quite a few more hours sleep than most people. So eight to nine hours, sometimes 10. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Is a, is a non-negotiable for me. Like I pack a lot of intensity. I used to measure things by how many hours, but it's really the intensity of those hours and our days are really intense. So yeah. I start to get, I start to feel that I'm falling behind myself if I get much less than eight you know, more than a few days in a row. So good quality sleep. You know, I wear an eye mask to block out any light. Um, I can't say I'm great at turning off my devices beforehand, but I'm getting better at only doing particular activities on my devices that don't sort of hype me up. Sure. Um, Going for walks, um, I get quite bad anxiety, which I think is a side effect of being like an A-type crazy person. <laughs> but <laughs> it is a really uh, uncomfortable and uh, frustrating side effect sometimes. And um, I find that that's kept well in check when I do at least a 30-minute walk outside in nature, in the fresh air. 
which I don't always get time for, but it's really not a lot of time to make, um, you know, at least once every two days if you can. Sure. Ideally every day. I find walking just gets the blood flowing. Even if you don't feel like it, like often you don't feel like getting up or leaving the house or whatever, but you always feel better when you come home. That's an absolute non-negotiable for me to manage the anxiety. And then exercise. Again, used to think that getting up, going, you know, taking transit time and then going to a class and then coming home and then showering was just like such a big block out of my day. And how was I ever going to run a business if I was taking breaks to exercise? But over the last year probably has been, yeah, about a year that I've been reintegrating it into my routine regularly. You just, I, again, I just feel so much more balanced if I take a moment to do, and it has to be an activity that I can't take my phone for. So F45 has become something that I used to hate, (laughs) Okay, Um, but that I really enjoy now because you are so unbelievably dying from how hard it is. Sure. So what is that? Sorry. It's a um, global chain style of fitness, kind of like CrossFit. Okay. But it's 45 minutes and different structures of exercises, but it's basically just high intensity interval training yeah, where okay. three of the days per week are cardio, two of them are resistance. Um, very similar. Like it's a structured kind of workout where the trainer's supervised, but the workouts are set every day and everyone in the country does the same one every day. Oh, um, interesting. And so is it, it, is it like CrossFit? It, it's similar. Okay. Yeah. Similar, but, um, but a different, it's more based on different movements and slightly different okay. philosophies. And also don't ever say to any of them that they're like the other one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For all the CrossFit people listening, I apologize. <laughs> yeah. And all the F45 people, it's yeah. not like CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's 45 minutes of very, very intense training. And I used to be more of like a yoga, Pilates, um, kind of person, which I still really enjoy, but I've found that intensity lately is enough to just completely pull my brain out of whatever I'm doing. So if I'm having like a really shitty day and something's happened and I need to just, you know, break that up, yoga or Pilates is not going to be enough for me because I'm just going to lie there thinking the whole time. Whereas F45 or anything kind of like hard, um, high intensity you're sweating so much and there's so many different activities and you're like picking up your weights and you put them down and then you're throwing something over your shoulder and blah 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 and there's so much going on that i found for me that really helps me switch off from what i completely forget what time it is which is very rare for me to not know you know what time it is or i forget what day it is i forget my to-do list um anything that can get me into that state is also really important for me and sometimes it's not necessarily exercise I hate to admit this, but sometimes it's just a a, a really, really shitty Netflix show. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I used to beat myself up about it because I was like, this is not productive. But I'm learning that like it it doesn't, firstly, not every minute of your day has to be productive. Yeah. And secondly, if it's letting you rest, that is productive. And I know that, you know, a lot of people in their spare time go straight to business development books or podcasts or things that you can be learning more. But I actually had to go on a ban because I was getting so obsessed with productivity. I'd have a bath, I'd have a podcast. I'd get in the car to drive somewhere, I'd be listening to a podcast. And like, they're so amazing, but I would never have a second where I wasn't like trying to feed my brain with learning. 
and then there was no space for reflecting or or journaling. I stopped doing all those things. I was just learn, learn, learn. And that's it's too much input for your brain. Yeah. My brain needs dead time. And I, I'm learning that about myself. And that really helps the anxiety is just having time to flake out. And as we were talking about as a business owner, that's one of the hardest things is blocking out all the stuff. Um, so if, it'll be different for everyone. But I think find the thing that helps you forget it all and work it into your week. I agree. I mean, I've personally recently, basically you're, I think, describing my life. (laughs) I'd be, you know, walking (laughs) to a cafe and first thing I do is throw in earbuds and and listen to a podcast. And I'd say the last maybe four or five months have really, I, I still do that every now and then, but I more often than not will, like, let's just actually walk there with nothing and, you know, pay attention to what's around. And to your point, like just, I think you need to give yourself space. You can, you can over consume. I, I do believe that. Totally. And, it, and then it just becomes, it's not, it's, it's actually detrimental. It's not, it's, you're no longer learning. Like you just can only take in so much, not to mention the day is wild. You never, you know, totally. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I would, I would I, like noticeably now, if I do overstimulate, like the brain, I often think that our the amount of information, I think it's like by the time we're six, we've absorbed more information than our grandparents in their whole lives or something crazy like that. And I, I always think that the amount of like stuff that is going into our brains from all the different sources of sound and visual and just the data that our brain is consuming per day compared to the amount of time since our grandparents had you know almost nothing per day it hasn't been long enough for the brain to evolve to cope with that like it just physically hasn't been enough time for the for human beings to evolve so that's why there's so much anxiety and breakdowns and you know illness in society is because we don't pace ourselves with it we've been you know the world is developing all this amazing technology but we haven't learned to use it responsibly and i find with my own anxiety if I overstimulate and I don't have, you know, if I go two days in a row, maybe maybe three, but sometimes even just two days in a row without some kind of Netflix show or F45 or something, like I get re- – my anxiety flares straight away because it's just like too much. Like pl- like it just – your brain wants to hibernate. It's like, oh, too much information. For sure. And the scary thing is when I was a corporate and I didn't – I wasn't in tune with all of this uh, you know, research on the brain and neuroplasticity and all that stuff, I would ignore that and I'd just keep going. And that's why I'd always get sick was because I'd just push and push and push and then have a breakdown. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's really important to learn not to overconsume. And when I, when you listen to podcasts and you read self-help books and business books and learning books, that's fine, but just don't count it as your downtime. Don't count that as rest. Like rest has to be something else that you also work into your day. Whereas I was like double counting and double making my time productive. Yeah, yeah. And listening to podcasts at three times the speed. It's it's a scary, scary world. Yeah, for sure. And thinking that that's going in. Yeah, no, I I know. I I hear you. It's... um, yeah, you, you need to find you need to find some sort of balance, and and it's different. You're right; it's different for everyone. But what's what's key is you you do you have to prioritize that. What's scary though, and and I was the same as you. It's you know when you're, you know when you don't have at least one or maybe two 
some sort of reflective practice or mindfulness practice, it's scary to think because you actually don't even realize, right? You're because you're so surrounded by it and your all your colleagues are doing this. So it's, it's like a vicious trap. Like you don't even see those triggers until to your point, you're physically ill normally. Yeah. It's, and you know, my naturopaths and doctors and everyone, they were like, it's so obvious what's happening to you. How can you yeah. not see it? <laughs> yeah, but fair. you just don't. You're like, I've been healthy. I've been, I literally, I remember saying, I've been exercising, I've been sleeping well, I've been eating really healthy, blah, blah, blah. And like one of the things that we don't take account of is the impact of stress. I think because it's not tangible, but the emotional and mental pressure you're putting on yourself, that cancels all of that out. And I I only just learned this but because I was like, what? I'm doing all the right things. But I was so obsessively doing all those things yeah, um, and not having any downtime that, yeah, it just, it defeats the purpose. For sure. All right. Speaking of some downtime, I want to make sure that you have some time before you start your day. So I'm going to start wrapping up and I definitely want to grab the three questions or, or set of three questions that you, you find yourself asking yourself actually on a either frequent basis or during big life changing events that we can then share in Keo and with the community to, to hopefully stimulate some new reflection or uh, some new perspectives on um, a person's journey. Oh, okay. One big one um, that I've been just getting used to asking myself alarmingly, considering how obvious it is, <laughs> is how, how does this make you feel? Yes, love it. And yeah, in sorting out, you know, whether on making decisions about life, like out of which path to take or which, you know, even in your day-to-day, like which roles do you delegate, which things do you know that only you can do, which things can someone else do, all that kind of stuff. It's really important to know how things make you feel. And I just didn't even ask. I didn't have that inquiry at all for the first few years. I would just do all of it. And that's part of starting a business that you have to do things even if you don't like it. But there's also a point where things are actually making you feel bad and you still don't, you don't switch on to that. You just keep going. So great question. Yeah. Asking myself how I feel and also noticing the things that make you happy. Like you need more of those things in your life, but a lot of people can't even answer that question. Like what makes you happy? Yeah. So yeah. How does this make you feel? Um, why are you doing this? <laughs> these are so <laughs> obvious. No, but these but, are great. Yeah, like what is your why? Um, because again, I do so many things on autopilot and I think a big example of this was going to events. In the beginning, you know, we needed to get our brand name out there. We needed to be doing all the networking we could possibly do. So we said yes to every single event. <laughs> and that continued, you know, well past the point where we needed that kind of exposure to the point where I was working all day and going to an event every single night and doing a speaking gig every night or sponsoring something, being on a panel or packing bags to be in samples. And it was just too much, but I'd lost touch with why I was doing it. And the why was for exposure and that need to do it every day had faded. So just asking yourself why you're doing what you're doing and making sure you stick to that reason really keeps you on track. Mm. Um, And then, oh, what would my third one be? (laughs) 
I guess the third question would be what other what is the third question that you should be asking yourself? Yeah, sure. Day to day. <laughs> sure. Um oh, okay. So what are the things that well this is kind of the same as how does it make you feel, but what are the things that bring you joy? Yeah, no, that I think that's a great question. Yeah, I think recently I'd also forgotten that I wasn't doing anything for the purpose of joy. Like joy would just come into my life incidentally as a result of things. Mm. And I'm like, no, it's something you need to cultivate. We That's a, as good a reason as any to do something is that it brings you joy. And I just lost touch of activities that were for the sake of pleasure, like reading. Yeah, for sure. Or gardening or cooking, like stuff that's not like this is productive, um, like painting or doing puzzles. So I've started doing cryptic crosswords because I've never known how to do them. <laughs> and I, I learned and I was like, at every cafe, there's going to be a newspaper. So instead of going straight to my phone, I go to the crossword puzzle because I think it's, you know, something that's joyful. Like it's really, it's fun. It's silly. Um, so yeah, what brings you joy and then how can you do that thing more often? Sure. I think that's a real, real important question because, you know, if you, if you have a list, you know, that you, you know, actively look at or know that, you know, these five or 10 things bring joy, then it's almost like a safety net where, you know, when, when things get a bit wild, you just have to go to one of those things, right? And you know, you know what the result is, it, it's joy. So you can pull yourself out of, you know, stressful situations or anxious situations. So that's a great question. Absolutely. And it scares me how long it took me to actually think of that because <laughs> I, I like genuinely someone asked me, um, it dates back to the, um, legal career. Someone asked me back then, you know, what are you passionate about and what do you love? And because it, my career consumed every minute of my day. I didn't have hobbies. I'd forgotten. I was like, I don't know what I like doing. And I was like, that is awful. Sure. But I think a lot of people, they don't have a list because they've never made the inquiry. And I actually went through this, you know, a year and a half ago of noticing when I felt joy and then writing it down so that I would have a list. Mm. Um, and one of the crazy, so I haven't told many people this because it's kind of weird, but one of the main things that came out that bring me joy or like not necessarily joy, but satisfaction is I'm fascinated by war, by like the the two great wars, okay. and like war journals. I love reading them. I love, you know, when we went to Rwanda, I loved studying the genocide and like learning about the human condition and obviously war doesn't bring me joy. Yeah, of course. But, <laughs> of course. But it's, it's, you know, some, I just I wrote it down one day and I was like, this is so weird. But when I looked back, my whole life I found that really interesting. And it's an area of study that has nothing to do with law or business or anything. It's not relevant to furthering my future. It's not a podcast. It's not, you know, it, there's mm -hmm. no reason for me to do it except that it's interesting. And I was like, good. Good. I'm finding those things that I find interesting that I can do when I want to do something engaging that's not for work. I love it. Yeah, I definitely would have not guessed that. <laughs> no, neither would I have. 
It's amazing. It's super weird. Like, where did it come from? It's got nothing to do with anything. I've not ever studied it at school or anything. Like, I just literally, it was just through connecting the dots of the times that I noticed I was enjoying myself. And it was always reading a book or watching a documentary or something. Like, there was just a process of connecting those dots. And I was like, wow, I'm a massive weirdo. I love it. Um, last question for you. And it is what makes you smile every day? Oh gosh, that's a great one. Um, well, Nick, obviously, sure. (laughs) Um, our dog, I think animals are such good mental health pills. Just watching how they're so mindful. They just love attention. They love a hug. They're so simple. They're so happy. Dogs are just so good to watch. I could watch him for hours and just have fun. I think animals bring a lot of joy and he's just so happy. Like you can't not smile. He's just like when you get walking the door, it's like the best thing that's ever happened in the world. Oh, my God, you're home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I think, yeah, he just, if, if if I'm ever having like an anxiety attack or anything, like dogs are really intuitive as well. He'll come over and like you just can't not smile. Amazing. Thank you, Sarah, for being so open and sharing all these incredible insights for all of the listeners and, and just, just, just being you and being, you know, like I've got a huge smile on my face and, <laughs> you know, it's part of that, that circle of friends that you've got. You're, you're definitely, I can see why um, you're part of that group. It's, it's a privilege to have you part of the app and to, to share your story. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege to be involved. <laughs>